I was talking with a brother the other day, and he asked me a question. I got, my eyes just got lit up, and I got excited. He goes, what are, you, what are you excited about? I go, I just love the Word of God. I love to talk about Jesus. love to talk about the things that He's done for us. Amen? When we get to heaven, we're going to be just so overjoyed with all the things that, that He has prepared for us. The Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear heard all the wonderful things that he's prepared for us. We're just going to be looking around going like, whoa, looky here, wow, God, what a beautiful mountain you've made. Oh, I just feel your presence all over me. Amen? I'm just giving you a little glimpse of what it's going to be like, okay? Just try to get a little excited. Help me out here, okay? Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. I know you're sitting down, but I'm up here, but I'm, I'm jumping. I want you to be jumping in your seats even though you're sitting down, Okay? Glory to God. So uh, we're talking a series this month called Devotions of the Heart. A lot of people say, well, what does that mean, Devotions of the Heart? And I was talking to some brothers, and uh, one said, why don't you call it Emotions of Devotions? Now, that's pretty good. Another brother said, why don't you call it Motions of Devotions? In other words, after you put your emotion into it, what kind of motion are you going to put to it? Is that not right? Okay, I got a tough crowd here. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> well, let's just stick with devotions of the heart because that's where things start from. The Bible says that uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's the direction that you're going to go in because of what's in your heart. I know when I was growing up, my father and mother, they would watch the baseball game every day, the Dodger game. And my dad, we used to say every day, well, the Dodgers won or Dodgers lost. I said, Dad, I don't care. But, you know, he kept saying it over and over again because he was from New York. New York. Say New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, down by the waterworks, you know, and they got a bird and a dog and they bark and they sing. You know what I mean? And, and so he, what, what, in, in, when you're in Brooklyn, you, wa you listen to the Dodgers. And you can walk down the street, and everybody has their radio turned on. And so as you walk down the street, you don't need a radio because you go from one house to the next. You can hear the whole game as you go. I mean, that's how, you know, ingrained it was. And that trickled down into me, so I started loving the Dodgers as well. I'm, I'm a disgruntled Dodger fan right now. It's been 30 years since we've seen the... Uh, yeah, there we go. There's the Dodger fan right there. It's been 30 years since we've won the World Series. Uh, but... Uh, I still keep the faith. It's, it's, it's a long, enduring faith, but it's, uh, we'll see what, what happens. Uh, but, but so I started playing baseball because it's ingrained in me. I, I just, I, I played Little League and Pony League and high school, then I went to uh, junior college, and I played and I played and I played, and they used to teach us, you got to live, eat, and breathe baseball. Okay, so I, I thought about, oh, baseball, yeah. Okay, hit the ball, hit the ball. Yeah, get, get mad and hit the ball. And, and, and practice and practice. And then finally, in my junior, my yeah, sophomore year of junior college, I said, what am I doing? I have better things to do in my life than this. I'm not going to be in the pros. I need to put this aside. But, and then I picked up the Bible. Then I picked up God's word, God's, you know, words to me, the life that I so much wanted and needed. So at at my work, I know a lot about baseball, and I know a lot about the Bible. And so my friend says, what do you know more about, the Bible or baseball? I go, it's probably 50-50. I went 30 years of playing baseball and 30 years of studying the Bible, so I know a little bit about both. In fact, my, my wife and my son, they, they wonder because I can sit there and watch a game and tell them what's going to happen before it happens. And they go, how do you do that? I, I don't know. It's just in me. And so we have to have that 
about the things of God. You have to know what's going to happen before it happens. God will show it to you. Amen? He'll show you things to come. He'll tell you that guy's not a good guy to date. He'll tell you that's not a good job to take. He'll tell you things. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we always hear the phrase, well, their heart is not in it. You ever heard that phrase? They're, well, what are they doing? They're going through the motions, but you can tell they don't have all their energy, all their excitement in it. Praise the Lord. Just because you carry a Bible to church, that doesn't mean you read it. <clears throat> Amen? Just because you have your arm around your wife doesn't mean that you have a good marriage. Just because your kids are near you doesn't mean that they obey you. Come on, talk to me. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, have to, we have to put our whole heart into it. And you've heard the description, let's get to the heart of the matter. That's the, the innermost part, what, what causes you to do the things that you do. And you say, oh, well, I love them from the bottom of my heart. Well, where's the bottom of your heart? I don't know where it is. Just the same. My, how about this? My heart melted when I saw that little girl with no food. Your heart just, you know, it goes out to them, right? You ever watch TV with somebody and you're watching the movie and they're crying next to you and you're like, what is, what's wrong with you? <laughs> because they were brokenhearted. You ever been brokenhearted? How about being kind-hearted? That's the best thing to be, kind-hearted. Some people I can call in this church and I can ask them something and I know they're going to do it, but I have to ask because they're kind-hearted. They won't refuse me. I called uh, Rosie and Marietta. I go, can you fill in for Pastor Charlie and Jeannie? Oh, yeah, yeah we'll be there. No problem. Yeah. Pleasure to serve. I don't have to go like, oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> Say yes. Because your heart is your will, your desire, and your emotions, and it governs who you are and what you do. So God is looking for a person whose heart is seeking him and devoted to him. That's why we're calling it devotions of the heart. And in your heart is your activities and your programs. You say, well, I, I, I volunteered for the church last week. Well, was your heart in it? Uh, well, you know, I just did it. But God wants you to have your heart into it. Amen? So man looks on the outside, but God looks where? On the inside. So let's take a little spiritual checkup here, okay? And let's see how... You guys are doing, and, and rate yourself. Don't rate somebody else. Just rate yourself on this, okay? In these ca categories, where do I stand in my devotion to the Lord? Do I, do I enjoy spending time with Him? Am I devoted to Him? Am I, is my heart single-minded? Am my mind just ready to serve Him at all times, just fall in love with Him? Am I, do I have passion in seeking Him? How is my desire for the Word of God, or do we just read it when... We feel like it. Or is there, is there a hunger? Is there a, a missing and a longing in your heart when you haven't read the Word? I know when I haven't read the Word or prayed, I, I, excuse me, I got to get to the Word. I got to get some excitement in me again. Amen? Because a lot of us, you know, we need makeovers. Did you know that? We need spiritual makeovers. Can't be tired, worn out. How's it going? Uh, same old, same old. <laughs> what? You got the Word of God, the newness of the life of God that can be on the inside of you, and He is new, His mercies are new every morning. We should wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Are you, are you doing a checkup on yourself? How is my church attendance? Well, 
I go when, it, when I can, you know, whenever. Do I have a hunger to do the things of God like soul winning? Are you looking for people that need to know the Lord? Are you praying for people? Are you encouraging people? Are you going to the hospital to visit them? How is my ability to forgive others? I forgive most people, but that one person, I just can't forgive them, okay? Renee liked my illustration of Olay. You know, people say things that offend you, and you just have to Olay. Let them pass on by. You have to ask yourself, am I stubborn? Am I just set in my own ways? Do I always think that I'm right and everyone else is wrong? <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Do I not listen to anybody anymore? Am I not considerate of others? Where am I? Because we can go along in our daily life thinking everything is fine. And, and behold, all of a sudden we have a spiritual problem. It, it surfaces. It's kind of like when you're going along in the natural. And everything is, is fine. You go to work, you go to the gym, you go on vacations. And then you take one of these blood tests. And the doctor tells you, well, you're low on vitamins, you're low on minerals, high in cholesterol, high blood pressure. You're in trouble. And all of a sudden you go, huh. I, I, did, I didn't know what was going on in there. Well, there's going to be some spiritual things that are going on in there that you don't realize, and then all of a sudden that pops up. You might get angry, make it disappointed, yay, you might even cuss. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I did something the other day, and I, I went, oh, shoot. And they were going, Pastor, what are you going to say? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that other word. I go, no, I don't say that word. Praise the Lord. So we should be able to take a spiritual checkup. Is that not right? Well, we have the good doctor here, Dr. Andrew. He's going to come in and give me some results of my blood test. <laughs> Hello, doctor. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, pastor? Well, I, I think I feel good on the outside. I feel good, you know, I've got energy and strength. Yeah. Oh, well, good, good. Um, so the results of your uh, walk with the Lord came back, and um, things are not looking so good. Really? Really. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, first of all, your prayer life is very low, and this is unacceptable. Uh, in fact, it's actually a miracle that you're still alive with what little prayer you have been doing. <laughs> well, is that right? Yes, that's right. Oh. Well, I, I do pray. I pray when I get up. I say, hello, Lord, how are you doing? And then as I drive to work, I said, Lord, be with me. Uh, anything else? That, that's once in a while I'll say, Jesus, help me. But that's pretty much it. Well, you've you got to do more than that. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, your word intake. Very oh. low, simply not enough to sustain, uh, especially when trials come. One bad tragedy in your life, and you could be completely wiped out. Really? So, yes, really. So well, you need to be in the Word every day. Well, I, I listen to the pastor when I can stay awake. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's not enough to listen. You, you've got to apply it. And, and, if you, and listen, if you need to hear it more than once, feel free to go back or go back and read the Word if you need to. Yeah, because I kind of remember what he said. I can't, you know, remember everything, but some things I can remember. Not much, but I get a little tidbit here and there. 
Well, just, just try to increase that. Um, okay. Let's see. Oh, and your anger level. Peak levels. This absolutely must, we must lower this ASAP. This is a big problem. I'm sorry. It's just... My anger? What are you talking about anger? Well, uh... I don't have any anger. I might get a little passionate once in a while, but that's not anger. Well, uh, tests don't lie, sir. <laughs> All right. Um, what, what else? Mo what moving else? on, moving on. Um, well, let's see. Uh, oh, spiritual exercise. Yeah, okay. You need to do something more for the Lord. You're simply too inactive on helping the Lord's work, whether it's, you know, going, volunteering at church events or doing ministry, or even something as simple as loving your neighbor. You really need to work on uh, increasing more what you do. Really? Yes, really. You're like a bad news doctor, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, I mean... Take it as you will. I'm just telling you what you need to hear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you Dr. Bad News. <sighs> Dr. Doctor no Good News, okay? <laughs> is, is there anything else you have on that chart? Uh, let's see. No, that should be... Oh, and one last thing. Your praise level. Praise level is so low, barely recorded on the charts. You really need to praise the Lord more, more in your life. Not even on the chart? It barely recorded on the chart. Let me see. Let me see that. Let me see that report. Let me take this and just take it somewhere else. I'm fine. I'm good. There's nothing wrong with me, Doc. So just go on your way. Go take care of somebody else. But I'm fine, okay? All right. Thank you, Dr. Andrew. I needed that. <laughs> Anybody else want to come up for their checkup? No, no. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we, we like to proclaim that the blessing of the Lord is upon us, right? We like to say we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed coming in, we're blessed going out. This is our year of increase. This is our year of promotion. This is our year of breakthrough. This is our year of miracles. But if you don't come by the spiritual test, if you don't spend time with the Lord, you can't claim all those things. Amen? You can't fool God. You can't say, God, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. He's going like, I, did you read your spiritual checkup report? You're lacking. Praise God. So the Bible says that we're supposed to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. David told Solomon, his son, seek the Lord while he may be found. That means that we're seeking the Lord and God will let himself be found by us. If God was playing hide and go seek, we couldn't catch him. We couldn't find him, could we? But he makes himself known to us. So we, we need to know that we have other blessings, not only financial and material. We have peace of mind peace in our relationships, stability in our life, confidence in the direction that God's taking us. The Bible says that we pray in secret, we, He will reward us, how? Openly. So we're going to call this again, devotion time with the Lord, devotion time from your heart. And see, when you go to the Lord, you can kind of get things cleared up in your life. You know, when you go to the doctor, he gives you pills, he gives you things to, to help you. And so when we go to the Lord, he can cleanse us and clear us of the things that are ailing us. Praise God. Because you might think, well, you know, I look pretty good. I got a nice outfit on. I smell good. Uh, every, everything is going good. But then you realize that you're not all that. So your life can be radically changed when you submit yourself to God. So we're going to look at uh, our father Abraham 
in the Bible from Genesis. He made five altars. And uh, we're going to see the correlation between what he did and how we can change our life. Are you ready? So first we look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. It says, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give you this land. And there he did what? He built an altar to the Lord whom had appeared to him. The first thing we're going to learn is the altar or your devotion time is the place where God will appear to you. Isn't that good news? If you set a, a set it. Uh, aside a time and a place, and you say, God, I want to meet you there, he'll show up. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, but you continually be there. God will reward you because of your desire to be with him. Praise God. And one thing we got to learn about Abraham, we know about Abraham, he was, he, he was uh, not raised in a Christian family, not raised in a God-fearing family. His father was an idol worshiper, and so what did God say? Come away from your father's house and the family, and I will give you a place and show you where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. And then I found out that Abraham, he started out uh, from scratch, and he became, what, a friend of God? He became the father of our faith. He did great things, because I used to think, I, if I was only born into a Christian family, a pastor's house, oh, I'd be so much farther in advance. But you don't have to do that. You can start where you're at. Amen? I mean, when you get saved, you got to go like, okay, Lord, even if you're in a pastor's house, now, Lord, what do you have and what do you want from me? So I can remember some, some famous people that started from scratch, like Greg Laurie. You know Greg Laurie, I guess. He, his mother was, uh, oh, there, there, there's my friend Greg Laurie right there. I don't want to be name droppers or anything, but I just thought I'd show that picture there. Hallelujah, me and my buddy Greg. And my wife will say, he's not your buddy. He's not your, he's not, he doesn't call you. He, he doesn't know who you are. I took the picture. I said, Could just pretend like you know me. <laughs> just, just pretend like we're friends. He said, okay. So, so you can see he did a good acting job. But anyway... <laughs> I guess his mom was married like multiple times and, and he was raised in bars, but when he found the Lord, his whole life changed. And then, of course, we know about Raul Reese. He was, came back from Vietnam and he had anger and he was ready to tear up his house and kill his family. And then he was ready to bash in the TV and, and uh, uh, Chuck Smith, or I think it was Chuck Smith, was on the, on the um, TV, yeah? And, and he started hearing the message. And he, go, he put his, his uh, whatever he had down and he started listening. He got saved. Then he went to go tell his wife, and his wife was like afraid. I'm like, wait, 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 get back, get back, get back. And he said, no, I got saved. And she said, well, let's see how that works. <laughs> you know, let's give it some time here. And, and then, of course, Nikki Cruz. You know Nikki Cruz from the cross and the switchblade? Got saved by David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson was ready to, to uh, witness to him, and Nikki had a knife. He said, I'm going to cut you into a thousand little pieces, David Wilkerson. And you know what David Wilkerson said? Anybody know? Every piece is going to cry out, I love you, Nikki. And he just dropped his knife. He couldn't believe it. And so he just gave, gave himself to the Lord. And you know what David Wilkerson did? This is the most amazing thing. They, he said, come to our, our meeting at night. And he came to the meeting, and he put Nikki in charge of carrying the money to the safe. And he's going like, is this man crazy? <laughs> Putting me in charge of the money? I steal money. I don't just 
<laughs> but God said, I'm going to do this for you. Praise. So our devotion time, our altar moments, begin to define our life, begin to define who we are. God will appear to you, and as it says right there, he'll speak to you. And, and uh, he'll show you things to come. The natural eye cannot see or the natural ear cannot hear all that God has for us, but the Spirit of the Lord will teach you more than you can learn in a textbook, more than you can learn in a classroom. It's your personal time with him that he will show you things that you did not know when you seek him with all your heart. You know, I have a supervisor, and we were talking one day. And he says, yeah, uh, I got up and I did my devos. And I go, devos? What's a devo? He goes, my devotions. I go, oh, okay, whatever. I wouldn't call it a devo. Would you call it a devo? I mean, it's see, like that's a chore or something. <laughs> I washed the dishes and I did my devos. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 think, I seem to think of it as more holy and sacred than that, don't you? Okay, so the second thing that we see, oh, he built an altar. You know, Abraham was a rich man. He could have had his servants go out and build the altar. He could have had his wife go out and build the altar. But he said, I will build my altar. I will make up my devotions. And guess what? You have to make up your own devotions. You have to make your own time with the Lord. You have to build it the way you can only build it. And everybody has a different way. It may be through worship. It may be through reading the word. It may be to listening to praise music might be fasting. You have to know what works for you. You might get thoughts and ideas and helpful hints from somebody, but when the rubber meets the road, you got to know how to go to God and what to do to get His presence in your life. Amen? And it takes time. It takes a little bit of exercise and a little bit of uh, ingenuity, if I can say that, spiritual ingenuity, to open yourself up to let God come in on the inside of you. And what a joy it is when he does come in. Because once you get him there, it's very easy to get him there again. Amen? Once he finds that doorway to your heart, because these are heart devotions to the Lord, he can come back and revisit that. Praise the Lord. So your, your altar times is when you draw on the strength of God and he will talk to you about your situations, your fears, your doubts, your unbeliefs. It's there he will reassure you. It's a place where you have a dialogue with God. You speak to God, but then God wants to speak back to you. He wants to tell you what you need to do in every situation, things that you need to correct, things that, you know, he wants you to do as, uh, as a child of God. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to have all these listed at the end. There's seven of them, but, uh, you know, if you want to take notes, go ahead and take notes, but I'll have them all at the end. And, you know, uh, Laura Lopez was... Uh, taking pictures the other day of the, I thought she was taking pictures of me, I was kind of, you know. <laughs> but she was taking pictures of the screen, I go, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you, it's okay, but after I got over my initial shock of her not really wanting my picture, praise the Lord. <laughs> so the, the third thing, in Genesis 12, 8, you got the first two already? You have to, what, what is the first one? says, it's a place where God will meet you. What an what a awesome thought. God, Almighty God, will meet you where you're at when you create an altar, a place, a devotion time with Him. And then you have to build your own altar, and He'll come and talk to you. Hey, Bob, I've been meaning to talk to you. You got a minute? <laughs> Let's sit down and talk about some things, okay? I'm good, Lord. I'm, no, there's some things we want to talk about here. So, 
There's some things, some dangers that are coming ahead of you, so you have to be aware of that. I can remember when I, I had a man prophesy uh, to me. He said, the Lord told me that, that you are strong and very courageous. I said, praise God. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 no. And he came down close and said, you're strong and very courageous. The Lord wants you to know that. I go, okay, praise the Lord. It's okay. You know, <laughs> praise, move on, move on, move on. And a month later, I found out that I had uh, lymphoma cancer. And I remembered the Lord said, be strong and very courageous. Not just to take it, but to overcome it. When God spoke to Joshua and said, only be strong and very courageous when you go into the promised land. He didn't say go in there and get wiped out. He said go in there and take control. So God knows what you're going to be facing. And when you have those devotions, you can know ahead of time what God has for you. And so the third thing is in 12, Genesis 12, 8. And he journeyed from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar. He's building altars all over the place, isn't he? To the Lord and... I like this, called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham carried on. So first, first thing, next thing is he journeyed and he built an altar. Our devotion time travels with us. In other words, you don't leave your devotion time, you don't leave the things that God has ministered to you at home, you take it with you. When you go, when you're driving in the car, you've got your devotion time, you've got the Lord in your heart. When you go to work, you have your altar all set up right there with your work. You got your scriptures, you got your music, whatever. And, and that's your altar where you have the Lord. And people sh should be able to walk into your cubicle and go like, whoa, the Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Some may even fall back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> there should be a prayer. Your altar should go with you. Praise God. So you don't want to leave uh, what God has impressed upon you in your quiet time, but you meditate on that and you have that carry you through your life so that you can, through the day, so you can minister to others and have some ammunition to help others. Because everybody's going through something, amen? So you keep it in the midst of your heart. You take a scripture and you live with it, amen? So we, we need to have, like I said, a, a makeover as we go. We need a new attitude, a new heart, a new mind, a new fervor, a new behavior, a new smile, praise the Lord, a new mouth, new thoughts, new eyes to see, new ears to hear. We have to have God on the inside of us shining through. And then the, the fourth thing is, he called on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that you have to know who the Lord is and what he said he will do by the names that he has given himself. For instance, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Sitkanu, his banner over us is righteousness, is love. Isn't that nice? I had a banner, I couldn't find it in the garage, so you have to imagine a big banner walking around you. Banner of love, banner of my, this is my child, amen? You got to know. That, that, that I have my hand of protection upon this person. Praise the Lord. And one of the other ones is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. We're supposed to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. I was telling this one brother, he got some, some, some bad words spoken to him. And I said, brother, you know, let, let me talk in Navy, Navy terms. If you're in a ship and the water is all around you, 
That's okay, right? Because the water will, will float on, I mean, the boat will float on the water. But what happens if the water gets in the boat? That's not good, right? Things start to sink. So you can be in this world, but not of it, and all things are going around, and as long as it doesn't get in you, you're okay. But once those words and those thoughts and those situations and that spirit gets on the end, you ever been near somebody and they're, they're mad and all of a sudden you get mad? <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, we can't handle that. You, what do you mean you can't handle that? All of a sudden there's a fire going on, right? But a soft answer turns away wrath. You have to be in control of yourself. Don't let that get on the inside of you because you will sink. So whatever you need him to be, he is. Proverbs 18.10 said, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Isn't that good news? You have to run into it. Now, it, it can't be just words. It has to be experience. It has to be knowledge. It has to be a revelation of the truth that God has a place and he has a situation that he can overcome uh, for you. And, and this... This dedication doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't come by laying on the hands. It, it comes by study, attitude, practice, and discipline. Praise the Lord. Now, I was at a Bible study uh, observing the other day, and the moderator had somebody read the Scripture. And he was reading the Scripture kind of monotone. You ever hear people read monotone? You're like, what are you reading? <laughs> so the moderator said, can you put a little you know, excitement into it? So he did the best he could. He just kind of, you know, put a little something into it. But you know what I thought in my mind? This guy doesn't know the Lord that well. He, he, he hasn't been through that much. He hasn't seen God work in his life. He hasn't, seen, he hasn't been called on the name of the Lord. You know, the Lord, let me read Proverbs 18.10, the way someone that's been there. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Hallelujah. The righteous, including me, run into it, and they're safe. Glory to God. Amen? Easy, brother. Easy, brother. Calm down. <laughs> you don't know what I've been through. <laughs> you heard about that guy that was getting all crazy in church, dancing in the aisles and raising his hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the elders said, we got to get this guy. Tell him to calm down. You know, so they went to him and said, brother, can you just calm down a little bit? He said, oh, I'm sorry. Just sorry. And he sat down again, and next week, same thing happened. They were, they were singing, and people got excited. He just got up, ah, hallelujah, glory. He just said, sir, you got to calm down. Calm down. Okay, okay, okay. So the pastor told the elders, you need to go to the man's house and go talk to him and, and find out what, what's his, what his problem is. So he was on the, on the farm, and he was plowing. And uh, so the elders came and said, sir, uh, you know, we have a quiet church here. We like to keep things just kind of monotone, just relaxed and, you know, not too effervescent like you are. He says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, because, you know, I was in the dumps in my life and I needed to call on the Lord and he helped me, he delivered me and he set me in a good place and here I am, I have this farm and he's given me a good wife and I'm just so excited. He said, here, hold my mule. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord God, hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> You know, when, when God has done something for you, you just can't hold it back. Amen? So you have to know for yourself that he's a healer. You have to know for yourself he's a deliverer. 
that he's got you out of trouble. You cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, you've got to do something here. He's your defender. He's your ever-present help in time of trouble. And when you get bad news or things are not going your way, you, you don't have to worry or try to convince somebody. You know that you know that you know. You can't say, well, I'm, I'm hoping. No. Well, I'm, I'm believing. No. I'm wishing. No. I'm wanting. I'm waiting. No. I know that I know. Amen? Amen? Deep down in your heart. Because when you put the Word of God on the inside of you, it expands. It grows. It becomes something that is alive, and you can walk in it and know that God's going to work in your behalf. Praise God? Amen. Amen. The next scripture, Genesis 13, 3 through 4. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, where he was in the beginning, you got it? To the place of the altar which he had made there at first, at first. He's saying, I remember when I first met the Lord, when he first appeared to me, when he first talked to me, when he first grabbed me with his love. Praise the Lord. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord again. So the fifth thing we have to do is remember your first love. Remember when God first saved you, how much he loved you and how much you loved him. And he was your all in all. Do you remember those days? Oh God, thank you for saving me. Oh God, thank you for touching my heart. I just so love you. Thank you so much. And you went and told everybody, I just met the Lord. I just got saved. I have a friend that plays for, used to play for the Dodgers, played center field. And when he first met the Lord, he said he started reading the Bible all night long. And he went, he played the game, he came back, and he started reading the Bible again all night, two days, no sleep. So he went to the trainer and he says, am I okay? Is there, check me out, you know. <laughs> he said, no, you're fine, John, go out there and play. Because when God grabs a hold of you, 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 just, you just fall in love with him. It's the most wonderful thing that you ever can imagine. I know when I first got saved, my eyes were open. Now I know why I'm supposed to be living this life. So Jesus told the church at Ephesus, he says, you're doing a lot of good things, but I have to, uh, I, I commend you for that, but nevertheless, you've lost your first love. You forgot about your love relationship. You forgot about how you used to talk to me and spend time with me and come to me like a little child when you, when you, when you didn't know about certain situations. But now you're all big, you're all grown up. You got it under control. You don't spend time with me. You go to sporting events. You cook. You shop. You do all these crazy things. You take kids uh, to karate class. You, go to, you watch TV, and at the end of the day, you just say, okay, Lord, good night. <laughs> it's like married couples. You know, I, I have to remind them, why did you marry this person? Do you, can you remember <laughs> what it was that excited you? Because <laughs> when they want to get married, they, they're all, hey, Pastor, we got to get married, okay? When's your next free day? We got to get this thing going here. And I couldn't talk him out of it. But a couple years later, I got to talk him into it, <laughs> keep him married. I go, Do you, did you forget why you married the person in the first place? You know, and I have to work on that. I have to confess, us men are, are that way. You know, we're kind of, you know, everything's cool. Let's just keep going. But, uh, you know, you have to still keep that romance going. So uh, the other, 
the other day we went to the Dodger game, our first Dodger game, and uh, we were watching the Kiss Cam up there. And so it was kind of cute. They're all the, they, they pick all the older couples, you know. <laughs> and we're thinking, hmm, they're probably going to come to us. <laughs> and so it was cute, you know, because all the older couples were kissing, and then they didn't come to us. So I just look at my wife and go, kiss Cam. <laughs> and she gave me a kiss. I go, okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's a good thing that she kissed me because, you know, sometimes the, the girl doesn't return the kiss. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> they do the kiss Cam, and the guy's like, and she's like. <laughs> and God is my witness. I saw one time where the girl said, mm. And the guy, like, what? And the girl next to him said, oh, you can kiss me. And they started kissing, and they walked out. And so the moral of the story is you better kiss your wife, you better kiss your husband, they might be kissing somebody else. <laughs> so remember your first love, amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, we've only got two more. You ready? Uh, right, let's go to the next scripture. Oh, it's right here. Uh, I will give to you your descendants forever, and I will make you. Ha! This is so good. It gets gooder and gooder, doesn't it? He's going to give you things that you don't have, and he's going to make you something that you're not. Isn't that good? You don't have it all in yourself. You need some help from the Lord, amen? He's got to give you the things that you need to accomplish what he's called you to do, and he's going to make you something that you didn't think you could be. I look back at my life, and I say, how did I get here? And I look back and I go, whoa, Lord, you had it all orchestrated. You had everything lined up. Even when I took a bad turn, you turned it around and brought it to my good. Man, you're smart, Lord. Man, you're good. The wife that you gave me, the son that you gave me, thank you, Lord. I, I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I didn't have Marianne and Charles. You know? We, we got promotion Sunday. We got church picnic. We got all this stuff we, that, that Marianne and Charles put together. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. In other words, we think we're so smart that we got it. We can do everything. We got the talent. We got the ability. God, I'm going to go forth. And God said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> your heart divides your way, but I will direct your steps. And sometimes you find yourself in places like, how did I get here? What? That friend told me about something, and this friend told me about and now I have a job. How did that happen? We've had testimonies of people that have gotten jobs uh, that uh, from friends and neighbors and people and family that are around you that help you because of the people that they know. You know, we had a testimony last week of Patricia who got a job at J.C. Penney because she was walking with her friend for I don't know how many months and, and she, here she's believing for a job and the job is walking right next to her. And her, her friend said, you're looking for a job? I, I know the people down there. Go down, I'll get you an interview. She got the interview, and as you were remembering, she needed to upgrade to selling the, the jewelry because she gets more commission. And so she went for an interview for that, and she's doing that now. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. <laughs> Amen? So we have to know that the Lord is working in our behalf. Last thing, ready? So God wants to give you and make you, and the next scripture says, then he said, oh, this gets, oh, this is going to be hard. I hope you can take this. You okay? This may be a little spiritual operation. 
I hope you're going to get through it. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Ouch. You know, Abraham never said he loved God. Can you imagine that? He was a friend of God, but he never said, I love you. The, only, the first person that said, I love you, Lord, was David. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. He said, I love you. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and what? Offer him there. Sacrifice him. Kill him. The Bible says that we have to die daily to the things that we love, the fleshly activities of life. Did you know that? Paul said, I die how often? Daily. Does it say weekly? Once a week, I die at church. I die listening to the pastor, and then I go home, and I try to forget it. No. It doesn't say I die monthly, right? It says I die daily. What does that mean? Every day you have to die a little to your flesh. Every day you have to wake up and say, I don't like what's rising up on the inside of me. I don't like my independence. I don't like my selfishness. I don't like my anger, my judgments, my opinions. And so you go into the devotion and say, Lord, take these from me. Clean me up. Take away these desires and attitudes that are not of you. And when you do that, you become more like Christ. And you have devotions from the heart. Now, God said, God who knows all things, and after Abram sacrificed his son, or was about to, he said, now I know that you love me. When you can give up the things that you love so much for the Lord, when you give up that TV, when you give up uh, having a bit of anger, when you give up forgive, you know, not holding something against somebody, God said, now I know you love me because you're doing those things that I've called you to, to do. Praise the Lord. So God doesn't want us showboating as Christians, just, oh, I just love the Lord, hallelujah, Jesus, you know, got all the scripture, he's my everything, and then you treat your neighbor bad because they wronged you, praise the Lord, what did Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, we have to be like Christ and have devotions of the heart, it's not automatic, it doesn't come accidentally, it comes with purpose, and with determination. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, Father God. Thank you that we can do these things that are pleasing unto you. We thank you, Lord God, that as we do these things, we'll see your glory come into our life. We thank you, Father God, for what you're doing. We thank you for these attitudes that we are changing. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're doing something in us that we couldn't do ourselves. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we take communion, I want to remind you that we have these seven attitudes of devotions. You don't have to write them down. Laura, you can take a picture. Or I'll send them to you. I'll get out of the way, you know, because I know you don't want my beautiful face in there. <laughs> you know, we were, we, were at a, we were at a men's meeting the other day, and my wife says, she used to say, all your friends are, are, are girls or ladies, you know. I said, well, sweetheart. <laughs> I'm Pastor Pretty, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was sitting with Renee and Pastor Charlie and uh, Emmanuel, and we had our own little booth of, of, of guys, and I said, well, I just want you to know, take a picture, because here I am with the brothers, amen. Here I am with the boys, okay. I can hang with the boys. <laughs> <laughs>
Praise the Lord. Okay, here's the attributes of devotions. A place where God appears to you, you have to make your own devotions. Your devotions move with you. They're not stagnant. A place where you call upon the name of the Lord. You have to remember your first love. God gives to you and makes you what you couldn't be in yourself and a place where you die to self. Amen? Is that homework enough for you? If you can do that, <laughs> in one week's time, we'll have Dr. Andrew come and do you a spiritual checkup and see how you do. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to receive our communion today. The Bible says that as oft as we do it, do it in remembrance of him. Jesus said that. And what was he trying to say? What does he mean by do it in remembrance? Well, we remember that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead, and that he has a place in heaven for us. So when we remember him, we can, we, we can thank him for what he did, but we can rejoice also in that this is not the end of life. After this life is over, we'll what? Fly away. There, there, there's no death for a Christian. There's no second death. We have eternal life waiting for us in heaven. What a glorious place it will be. And as Bob sang, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. But I can tell you, it's good because God is good. Well, let's pray over these. Father, thank you for these elements that are placed before us, the body that was um, broken so that we could have fellowship with you, that our sins would be paid for. We thank you for the cup that was shed, that was symbolic of the blood that was shed for us, because without the remission, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus made the supreme sacrifice, that as we give ourselves to him, he has given himself to us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So